Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has entertainment for all ages. Horse racing is every Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday. With free admission and dollar deals, it's the perfect way to spend a summer evening. Blackjack, poker, and dining is available 24-7. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, 25 minutes north of downtown. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Had a good time on the Gophers road trip. I'll play back a couple interviews I did on the Gophers road trip. One with Richard Patino and another with PJ Fleck. Also Thad Levine, Twins general manager, had a nice chat with him Friday afternoon. So before the Phil Hughes injury, but I think there's a lot of pertinent information in that conversation. And a conversation with Lawrence McKenzie, former Gophers basketball player, His dad is the successful coach at Minneapolis North High School. Lawrence is now a very successful hip-hop artist. Goes by the stage name Mac Irv. Had a chance to watch him in action recently in the studio, watch him perform in the studio. Thoroughly impressed, sat down for a nice conversation with him. So lots to get to on Scoop Podcast episode 76. By the way, I should mention, because Droogie and I will make our way there at some point this summer, on the way back, 61 North, we went right through Meesville. We'll have to go check out a Meesville Mudhens town ball game at some point this summer. So I'm telling you, if you're looking for something to do on a Saturday or a Sunday, take that scenic drive down Highway 61. Another thing you could be looking to do, maybe go over to Como Zoo at some point, And right by Como Zoo, the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, Gabe's by the Park. Lexington Parkway and Energy Park Drive. Your old favorite neighborhood bar should be your new favorite neighborhood bar. They have an extensive food and drink menu. Happy hour daily, 2 o'clock until 6 o'clock. I'm telling you, whether it's $5 burger night on Monday nights, they have 1095 steak night on Wednesday nights with a side, by the way. They have all sorts of fish options. I've talked about this on a number of Scoop Podcasts. But as somebody who loves fish, the missus is allergic to fish, so we don't, well, heck, we never have fish at the Wolfson household, so I need to get my fish fix when I'm out of the house. I get it at Gabe's by the Park. I love their walleye sandwich. Swing in again, Lexington Parkway and Energy Park Drive right by Como Park. Make an afternoon of it. Go over to Como Zoo, then check out Gabe's by the Park for lunch. They keep this podcast going. Let's start with the Wolves. I promised to do an NBA-centric podcast when the schedule allows. A little league schedule has me all over the place. May and June are just a cluster bleep when it comes to the home front. Although, I've always said parenting comes first. Podcast is like ninth on my priority list. But I still enjoy doing this. Hopefully, you enjoy the podcast as well. But I'd like to get to one. I've been texting with Randy Whitman a bunch. Need to get Randy Whitman on the podcast. I'll catch up with Sam Mitchell. I always love David Thorpe's contributions. So I will do at some point an NBA-centric podcast. Maybe it makes more sense to do it closer, maybe even during the finals, or closer to the draft, reviewing the finals, then looking ahead to the draft and free agency. Anyway, on the Wolves, they were one of the many teams who did not go to Turkey for the EuroLeague Final Four. The NBA made the recommendation because of security concerns in Istanbul. Now, as one person who went told me, hey, there's security concerns in Times Square. There's security concerns in Orlando. But the NBA made the recommendation to teams, hey, if you travel, travel wisely, travel smartly, but you don't need to go. But some teams went. The Wolves were not one of those teams, although I'm sure they'll get the video, probably already have the video, of Ipe Udo. Ipe Udo, former NBA first-round pick. He's really carved out a niche for himself for a team overseas. 6'10", 240, looks ripped. I'm telling you, go to YouTube and watch the video of Udo. I'm told he does have an NBA out this summer. I'm told his camp has the Wolves on their radar. Now, heck, every free agent has the Wolves on their radar because the Wolves will have in the vicinity of $30 million in cap space to spend this summer. But I know the Udo camp feels like the Wolves are a pretty good match, a team that could use rim protection a mobile rim protector, somebody who's great when it comes to switching in the pick and roll. You can make a case that defensively Udo is a really good fit for Tom Thibodeau. The Wolves did talk to Udo in 2014, never came close to making him an offer. 
but did have some free agent interest in Udo in 2014, but obviously now a different regime. Busy week for the Wolves. They have a draft workout at Mayo Clinic Square, a group workout on Tuesday, the 23rd. Tyler Cavanaugh, former George Washington Colonial, he's been around. Tyler Cavanaugh among those working out on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, the Jim Tanner workout is in Washington, D.C. The Wolves will have representation. Jim Tanner represents Justin Jackson of North Carolina, among others. Then later this week, the 25th of May, so when would that be? That would be Thursday, the Jeff Schwartz XL Sports Management workout. Then Friday, the 26th, Priority Sports has its workout. They have Zach Collins. They have a number of guys, first and second round picks. Then next week on the 31st, you have the Wasserman and Scott Nichols workout. Then on June 1st, the Octagon and Bill Duffy workout. Then on June 2nd, the Andy Miller workout in Las Vegas. Then on June 3rd, the CAA, they represent Tom Thibodeau, and Happy Walters workout in Thousand Oaks, California. Happy Walters has De'Aaron Fox, among others. So the Wolves will have representation. That's the new thing. These agencies, they have their own pro day. Instead of having guys go work out for teams, which they do, but it's easier oftentimes just to have everybody come to you. So the Wolves will have heavy representation at all these pro days. Told as of now, Jason Tatum of Duke has no interest in working out for the Wolves. Hey, can't blame him when he's pegged to go top four. Why work out for the team that picks seventh, but the Wolves certainly will get looks at Jonathan Isaac, Markinen, Collins, and so on. They'll get a look at many, many guys. Omri Caspi is one of the Wolves' free agents told he is leaving Dan Fagan like Ricky Rubio left Dan Fagan. Sounds like he may be joining CAA, but nothing final, at least on my end. As for Rubio, it is official. He is with Jeff Schwartz. We mentioned, can't recall if I mentioned it on one of the Scoop podcasts or if it was on a Mackie and Judd hit on 1500 ESPN, but mentioned that Rubio was looking at XL Sports Management, Jeff Schwartz, and Andy Miller ultimately decides on Jeff Schwartz. Somebody close to Rubio texted me this, which created a bit of a firestorm on Twitter last week. I can say because I have no horse in the race, RR, standing for Ricky Rubio, chose Schwartz because he would get him out of Minnesota ASAP. That was the only criteria acceptable for a new agent. So in no way is this good for Wolves fans who want Rubio. The text message continues because I went back and forth with this source. But again, this was unsolicited. This was sent to me, by the way. I can say I had the news first on Rubio firing Dan Fagan. So I'd like to think I'm a little bit on top of this for those wondering about my source on this or sources. The real BS is that none of these agents have any premeditated route to get him out, which is true. So just because he went with Jeff Schwartz doesn't mean the Wolves are giving away Rubio. Doesn't mean any sort of trade is even remotely close. In fact, I have no intel yet that Jeff Schwartz has reached out to the Wolves, encouraging the Wolves to trade Rubio. It's entirely possible that Ricky Rubio starts the 2017-2018 season in a Wolves uniform. I can just tell you it was calculated why he went with Schwartz. Now, why Rubio left Dan Fagan? Yes, a big part. In fact, an enormous part of Rubio switching agents is all the legal trouble, all the legal shenanigans that Dan Fagan and his associates are dealing with when it comes to ISE. It's big-time litigation. It is just a you-know-what So Rubio didn't want to deal with that headache. So that is a lot of why Rubio has fired Dan Fagan. But I'm just told why he went with Jeff Schwartz over others. He feels like Schwartz might be able to facilitate some sort of trade. That Schwartz represents so many players. Maybe Schwartz reaches out to another general manager, encourages that GM to reach out to the Wolves and make a firm offer. But again... The Wolves are not married to the idea of moving Rubio. I'm telling you, it is entirely possible that Ricky Rubio starts the season in a Wolves uniform. Just because Rubio went with Jeff Schwartz doesn't mean that a trade is on the horizon, that a trade is imminent. Nothing is close to being imminent. One other NBA draft note, I put it on Twitter on Monday afternoon, D. Wolfs and KSTP. Quentin Hooker, former Minnesota Mr. Basketball Park Center, University of North Dakota, has a workout with the Houston Rockets on Tuesday, Tuesday the 23rd of May. Also told the Chicago Bulls have been in contact. Nothing is on the books, but he does have his first official workout on the books with the Houston Rockets on the 23rd of May. We are rooting for you, Quentin Hooker. 
All right, let's get to the Twins. I have a few Twins notes, but let me first play my conversation with General Manager Thad Levine. It was before the Friday series opener against the Royals, so it was before the Phil Hughes injury over the weekend. It was actually before Kyle Gibson got called back up, and I ended up talking to him about Gibson. We talked Barrios, Gibson, all sorts of topics. Here's my conversation with Twins General Manager Thad Levine. Thad, let's just start with, what, 20 and 17 is the record through 37 games. I mean, we talked... I think it was on the podcast or wherever it was. We talked in mid-March, late March. You said, hey, there's some optimism. I like the way the squad is playing here in Fort Myers. We have a chance. But did you expect here in late May that you guys would be in first place? You know, I think you're optimistic walking into the season. You believe in your team. I think Paul did a great job in, in spring training, kind of setting the mantra that we were going to play better fundamental baseball. And our expectation was that if we did that, we could stay in this division. Now, we've had a chance to play every team in our division multiple times. I think we still feel that way, that hopefully there won't be a team that's going to run away with this division. If that's the case, we should be there right at the very end. Yeah, I mean, you don't think the Indians? I mean, we all expect the Indians to catch fire at some point, but maybe it won't happen. You know, I think they've got an extremely talented team. Now, they're battling some injuries no different than all the rest of the teams. And as long as that keeps lasting, there's no reason we can't keep hanging around. And the deeper you get into the season where you're being competitive, I think you're psychologically you start believing in yourselves and you start believing you can win night in and night out. And at that point, anything can happen. Speaking of the Indians, I'm trying to remember. It's the small sample size of two starts. But I think about J.O. Barrios, Indians, Rockies, two really good lineups, at least in my opinion, two really good lineups. You know, I mean, he's pitching like he doesn't want to see Rochester ever again. You know, I, I think those are two of the best lineups in the game. You know, Cleveland maybe wasn't clicking quite on all cylinders when, when he was up against them, but the, the Colorado Rockies certainly were. Uh, we saw that the first two games of the series. The whole National League has been seeing that all year. So what he was able to accomplish, I think, is pretty significant. And I think you referenced exactly what his goals were going into this offseason. Both he and Byron Buxton, I think, had similar experiences last year. They had very limited adversity throughout their minor league careers. They come up to the big leagues. They get a little bit of a taste of it. Uh, and it doesn't go quite as well as they had, they had hoped. But both of them have tremendous resolve and commitment. They both go into the offseason committed to never go back down to AAA. You know, I think what Byron Byron's done early in this season, battling some some issues at the beginning of the season. Where he is today is, shows his mental resolve. I think what Jose did going into the offseason, preparing himself for the WBC and spring training, and now coming up in the big leagues, he sure looks like he never wants to go back down. And that was our hope, was that when he came back up, we were, it was a one-way ticket. Jose's stuff is at times electric. I mean, I thought it was electric at the WBC. Does it all start with that fastball command? If he's commanding that fastball, the stuff is so good. That it resonates? That, that was one of our biggest challenges with him, which was in, in the minor leagues. I think what we saw, he had a lot of success both in the zone as well as out of the zone. Uh, when he came up to the big leagues, the, the hitters are a little bit more selective, and I think as a result, he had less success out of the zone. So now all of a sudden he's in hitters counts. He had to get back in the zone late, and he was getting punished for it. So I think that was our message to him all through spring training carried over to the WBC and then the first month of the season down in the minor leagues was we had to enhance the number of quality strikes he threw. And he did just that because once, as you mentioned, when his stuff is over the plate, it plays. Like this, this guy has major weapons to get the best hitters in the game out. We've seen that over the last two outings, but it starts with strike one. Seems like such a good guy. That, like, teammates would gravitate toward him. Is that accurate? It, it is, and I, th- I think specifically when you look at a guy like this, you see Irvin Santana, Hector Santiago, two of the veterans of the staff, taking them on, him under their wings. And I think that's invaluable. So he experienced that at the WBC, you know, veterans like Carlos Beltran and Yadier Molina. He now has Hector and he has Irvin. There's a lot of guys who are pulling for this guy. There are a lot of guys championing him, no different than they did with Byron. When you see guys rallying around players, you know you got something pretty special. Getting the idea from radio today, we're talking about Jose and fastball command. Kyle Gibson, I mean, you had the numbers. What is it, 62 to 65 percent? If he's if he's throwing strikes in that percent range, that that he has success, and the reason he wasn't having success here was he wasn't throwing those strikes. I think Kyle's very similar to Jose in the sense that both those guys have as good a stuff on our major league pitching staff as anybody. Uh, their challenges are it's it's not as effective when it's not in the zone, and, and the major league hitters are so selective at this level. So what we found, we had we did some research on Kyle in particular. If he's throwing at least 62 percent strikes, or certainly if he gets above 65 percent strikes, he's extremely successful. When he's throwing the ball over the plate, he's got stuff to get major league hitters out. 
he did that in spring training. He really committed to it. The season starts, he kind of started dipping below those numbers. At that point, the, the, it kind of the seesaw goes back in the favor of the offensive players, and that's exactly what we saw, the, his handful of starts. He goes down to AAA. He's now above, above 65% in all of his starts down there. He's now all of a sudden really starting to dominate in AAA. It, it seems like a simplified thing to say. He's one of those guys who has good enough stuff. If he throws strikes, he's going to have success, and we're trying to impress that upon him. We touched on the research you did with Kyle. What other statistical analysis research stands out, whether it's Kyle or some other pitchers? I would just tell you, without revealing too much, that we have a staff who's dedicated to those sorts of things, and that's something that we've really invested in since we've gotten here. Uh, it obviously starts with Paul Molitor and his staff in, in terms of how he wants to implement some of those things, but Jeff Pickler, who's on his staff, has been committed to that. Uh, we've hired Jeremy Hefner, who is a former major league pitcher, who, to help with our advanced analysis, Jack going and his whole group of Upstairs. We have people working tirelessly to try to reveal some of these numbers that really ultimately helps Paul make decisions in games. We've done a lot more work on the uh, evaluating our relief pitchers and when they're fresh versus when they need a day off. And we've been helping Neil Allen and Eddie Guardano make in-game decisions that we hope put guys in better positions to succeed. And I think it's been paying dividends so far this season. Speaking of statistical analysis, what does it say about your outfield defense? I mean, I think I saw the note yesterday. Is it MLB.com? Somebody's got, is it feet tracked or percent chance a guy in the outfield catches a certain ball you know when it comes to you know low percentage chance your outfielders convert a lot of those into outs I mean more so than any other team in baseball I mean your outfield defense is it's pretty phenomenal it's been exceptional I mean it's been as good as I've ever seen Byron Buxton Max Kepler Eddie Rosario but even what Robbie Grossman's done in the few opportunities he's been had out there it's been tremendous I think it starts with positioning and once again I give a lot of credit to Jeff Pickler and to Jeremy Hefner those two guys have done a tremendous job of putting those guys in positions to succeed but then they have to make the plays and I think we've seen as fans they are making spectacular plays on almost a nightly basis the two guys I think it's helping the most or Hector Santiago and Phil Hughes, who guys are, who are a little bit more prone to throwing fly balls, uh, they've really prevented a lot of extra base hits, which have changed the course of innings and ultimately games. On Jeff Pickler, I mean, you've cited him now a couple times. What does it say about Molly that Molly's got a low ego? A lot of managers might be like, I don't know about this guy. Molly's welcomed him, no problem. You know, I think that was a function of the fact that Molly was involved in the front end of this. You know, he was, he was part of the selection process. He was part of the interview process, and we were very clear with him. If you don't, don't feel like you'll utilize this skill set, then we won't, you know, burden you with him on the staff. He was open-minded from the, the, the word go, and I think that's a reflection of how Paul's kind of embraced this new relationship. So, too, have we. Like, we've been open-minded to learn from him. He's been open-minded to learn from some of the resources we can put around him, and he's a brilliant man. So he recognizes this is only a resource to enhance his decision-making, so he's, he's embraced it fully. Offensively, the lineup, you like what you see so far? You know, Paul has done a wizard's job of, of cycling guys through. We were talking about it last night. I think we have to be leading the league in guys who have had a chance hitting third or fourth in our lineup. Uh, I think really all but a handful of guys have gotten an opportunity to, at some point to be in a run-producing position in the middle of the order. So Paul is, like, I think, mixed and matched perfectly. He's kept the guys on the bench uh, engaged. We've seen the results when Robbie Grossman, Eduardo Escobar, even Adrianza last night got opportunities to play. Chris Jimenez has, cre- has made some contributions to this team. So the fact that he's utilized all three 13 offensive players to the extent he has, I think is really a masterful job considering how many off days we've had, how many rainouts we've had. He could have really been sticking with a starting nine, but instead he's really engaged every single player, and I think it's paying off. On the draft, how much are your fingerprints on that? And how much do you defer to Sean, Mike, Darren, and others? You know, I think you mentioned the word a minute ago, but I don't think there's any egos when it comes to the draft. I mean, we're going to be very deferential to Sean Johnson, Darren Johnson, Mike Radcliffe, Tim O'Neill, the guys who have been out pounding the pavement, seeing every single player in the country that they think is worthy of wearing a Minnesota Twins jersey. So we're going to be very deferential to that group. Those guys are the experts in the field. We're just going to be there to help ask the right questions to hopefully lead them to the right decisions. But you like to pound the pavement, right? When you've been out, you've seen a couple guys, haven't you? I've really enjoyed it. You know, uh, Derek and I have talked to Sean, and between the two of us we've gotten out to see you know six eight ten players and we will continue to see those guys before the draft starts part of that is you know fellowship with the scouts as we're getting to know the guys secondarily is to kind of get to know the the players and maybe their families it's less about the scouting aspect we trust the scouts are doing that exceptionally well but it will just give us an enhanced sense of confidence when we call a name uh one one in the draft and ultimately 35 and 37 and, and further on if we've had a chance to say hello meet those guys and look them eye to eye I mean, it's probably a lot of us, but is there too much of a spotlight on 1-1 one, one that, that you have all this money? You'll get a good player at 35. You'll get a good player at 37. You've got how many picks in the top 100? Are we guilty of putting too much of a spotlight on 1-1? One, one? 
I, I think as a as an industry we tend to, you know, and that's for any sport. But in practice, there are drafts that have Bryce Harper and and uh, you know Mike Trout in it. This is not one of those drafts. So our challenge is to, as it is really in every draft, is to put together the best draft class we can put together. And I think that's what we charge Sean and his crew to do: is let's not look just at one one. Let's make sure we make the right decision there. But let's make sure we also spread the money out over the whole course of the draft so that we can put together a class that could come as a wave up here and help us win a championship. How much strategy is involved where, okay, X player or Y player, but you might be able to get him below slot at 1-1, but then save money and invest that money, pick 35, pick 37? I think that may be one of the intrinsic values of picking 1-1 is that no one's picking ahead of you. So you know exactly who you can select, and you don't have to react to somebody else, at least for that one pick in the draft. Uh, so that is something we'll be attentive to, is we'll be getting on the phone and have a, a pretty good understanding of the demands the players are going to be putting forth, such that, once again, that we can focus our attention on putting together the best class we can. But make no mistake, we're going to take the best player that we think is on the board 1-1. We're not looking to save money and cut corners in, in the name of sacrificing talent. We're going to take the best talent, and then it will be up to myself, Rob Anthony, and Derek to get the best deal done once we've selected the right player. You won the look on all these mock drafts, Baseball America and MLB.com, and you know you name the website where it's got, okay, Brendan McKay, and then the next day it's Hunter Green, the next day it's Kyle Wright. Do you look at that stuff? Of course. We're reading all that. We're, we're, we're willing to get educated any way we can, but we also love the misdirection. We like the fact that it's a different player every single time. We can keep everybody guessing because, honestly, we don't have that, that decision nailed down just yet. So we'd like to keep it a mystery as long as possible. I mean, it makes sense, though, when you're right. I mean, there is no Strasburg or Harper. Like, it's probably not the best year to have 1-1. You know, I, I think at some point the Major League Baseball draft will afford you the latitude to trade draft picks. But that day is not today. So we're going to make the most of picking 1-1, one, one, and we're going to feel great about the selection we make. Would you like to see that day sooner rather than later? Like, it defies logic. Why wouldn't you be able to trade draft picks? And you can trade what? Is it the compensatory picks? So why not just make it all, you know, all the picks? I, I subscribe to the theory of, like, you should have as much creativity and latitude to build a championship organization as you so choose. So I would welcome that. I would have welcomed it five years, ten years ago. Uh, that day will come soon. But, you know, there's a lot of potential pitfalls that Major League Baseball has to be aware of. And so those are things at the club level maybe you're not as focused on. They have to be. But I, I, I'm looking forward to the day where we can be even more creative than we can be today. I'll leave you after two quick ones. Everything you've experienced since you made the decision to leave Texas to come here, just affirm your decision to leave a very good situation there in Texas? It has. I was promised that the May to September corridor was absolutely gorgeous here, and a lot of people are still wearing winter coats. So I'm looking forward to the gorgeousness starting very soon. wasn't bad last. I mean, I mean, it's the goofiness of the week, right? Tuesday, I'm at my son's Little League practice. I'm sweating. Thursday, I'm wearing a parka here at Target Field. I'm looking for a touch more consistency on the, uh, maybe not on the sweating side, but on the not wearing the parka side. I mean, it is. It's just, it's crazy. But, but everything you've experienced, working with Derek, getting to know everybody in the front office, heck, even beyond the front office, just all the employees of the Twins, the people you've made friends with maybe in your West Metro community, just everything, you know, so far your experience here in the Twin Cities, positive? It's been a total immersion, and I feel seven months into the opportunity like a bona fide member of the family. And I feel as if the Polad family and Dave St. Peter made me feel that way from the point across the threshold here, and that hasn't abated. I mean, their sincerity has been as strong today as it was the first day we walked through. So the perception that there was a honeymoon period, it seems to be just that's the way they treat people, and it's, it's absolutely exceptional. So I couldn't say enough great things about the Minnesota Twins and the Twin Cities. Hey guys, this is Justin Muso, Pro Baseball Scout, and Phil Mackey, Pro Radio Guy. And we have the best baseball storytelling podcast on the market. That's right. It's not us telling the stories. It's Aaron Boone on coming from a baseball family and hitting one of the most famous home runs in the country. Jim Brower telling Barry Bond stories. Find Hardball Society on iTunes, Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, or HardballSociety.com. That's a lot of places. Yep. Last night it was up late. I got the chills, I had goosebumps, I was sweating, I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. <clears throat> and that's all before the headliner took the stage. Best show ever. Nothing beats seeing your favorite band live. And there's no better place to get tickets for concerts, sports, theater, and more than at VividSeats.com and the Vivid Seats app. Support for this podcast comes from Driscoll's. Standing by the promise of only the finest berries for over a hundred years. Life is sweeter when you bury together. 
Enter Driscoll's Minnesota Berry Together sweepstakes for a chance to win a fun family getaway at one of Minnesota's favorite family destinations. No purchase or payment necessary to enter or win. Learn more at berrytogether.com. Twins general manager Thad Levine turning into one of my favorite interviews in town. On 1-1, the Kyle Wright steam is legit. We've talked about Kyle Wright, the Vanderbilt pitcher, for a few weeks here on the Scoop Podcast. Do not be surprised the way he is throwing if the Twins go with Kyle Wright at 1-1. Also, Sam Carlson, Burnsville. I hear the Twins would love if he got to pick 35 or 37, but the most recent steam on Carlson is that he goes in the 20s. So even though he's the 15th-ranked prospect, MLB.com, ESPN.com, the intel is he will not go as high as 15, although I'm told one team has him ranked in the teens on their board. Other teams have him in the 20s. Way, way, way more likely is he goes mid to late 20s, doesn't quite get to the Twins pick at pick 35. Sam, by the way, next pitching on Thursday, Burnsville's first playoff game. Also, Mike Bauman from Matamidi High School. The Twins remain interested in him. Don't know if they take him as high as 37, but he is a name to watch just a bit later. The Royals and Rockies also doing a lot of homework on the former Matamidi star. Also on the Twins' first overall pick, you look at Hunter Green. The Twins have some concern because he's only thrown 28 innings this year. He was supposed to throw a bullpen late last week. But then California high school rules wouldn't allow him to do so. He was going to then maybe go over to the stadium, do it away from their practice area. That didn't come to fruition. Anyway, I am told Hunter Green will throw for teams on June 9th. The Twins will have heavy representation. I suppose if he does very well on June 9th, that could change the dynamic of June 12th. But right now, it certainly looks like the Twins will go the college route, not the high school route. Also on Brendan McKay, his last start velocity, 87, 88, 89. I know the Twins are wondering about that. Although somebody with the Twins told me, hey, when he focuses solely on pitching, we think he can get back to 92, 93, 94. But the bat plays. And the Twins, if they take McKay 1-1, they would have him bat at least for a stretch. They would not determine on June 13th, hey, you're just a pitcher and take the bat away from him. And the bat translates way too well. You can't take the bat away from him because long-term, there's a good chance Brendan McKay is much better off hitting compared to pitching. Kyle Wright, though, of Vanderbilt, know that name for sure. One other Twins note this week we hit so much with Thad Levine. It was Jim Polad plus CFO Kip Elliott at the owners' meetings in New York City last week. All right, let's get to Gophers basketball. Spend some time on Monday early afternoon with head coach Richard Patino. Here's my conversation with Richard. I suppose last year you're on the road trip. I think you were on the road trip at some point last year. A little bit different atmosphere among the fan base last year compared to this year, I would say. Yeah, probably more so in my head than in theirs. Uh, you know, you actually, it's it's uncomfortable when you don't have a great year and then you got to go to these things. Um, but it was funny because last year the fans were so kind uh, and it almost kind of rallied me a little bit because, I, you know, you're down when you have a bad year and you're embarrassed by it, um, where they were loyal, uh, supportive. So obviously getting up in front of people, it's a lot more fun to talk about all the great things we did this year versus the year before. Uh, so I'm looking forward. It's a fun time of year. Expectations coming up this year. I mean, is that your challenge, how these guys deal with expectations? Yeah. You know, this preseason you'll be picked to finish, what, top three? Yeah, no, it, it's different um, because, you know, everybody is going to say we're going to be good. And that's got to be the furthest reason from why we're going to be good. You know, it's just like last year, everybody had us pick 13th, 14th in the Big Ten, and we finished fourth. Um, Well, it's the same thing. It could go, you know, everybody telling you over and over again how good you're going to be, and you forget to work on what makes you really good. Uh, So that's that's top of the list of things um, that I'll work on over the summer with these guys is to get them to realize, okay, if you don't get better, it doesn't matter because everybody else is going to get better. So having everybody back and being good last year has nothing to do with this year. Every team is totally different, and I'm looking forward to that challenge. Speaking of getting better, I saw you tweet the other day. Academically, spring semester, yeah. very well for you guys? Yeah, just under a 3.0, which is really, really excited, uh, exciting for us. I mean, the guys the guys have been great. Um, you know, obviously Darren graduating, excited about Malik Smith graduated, you know, was able to complete a class there. Um, you know, so I'm proud of him as well. And, and, and I think the guys – uh, tasted success, really enjoyed it. Um, they want more, and I think they were excited about kind of rebuilding their brand on and off the court, and obviously they got it done in the classroom as well. I bet you're excited for the uh, for the extension. I mean, whether it's recruiting, whatever. I mean, it's our first chance to talk to you since the extension. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with with 
the year that we had was I wanted to do everything possible to build um, and gain momentum. And, and that's the thing, obviously, whenever you sign an extension, it helps in recruiting. Um, you know, to be able to tell people you're going to be here for five more years is huge. I think it's uh, the timing is great, obviously. You, you know, you, you package in a great season, which we had. Uh, the facilities, obviously, with all of us being around. Uh, you know, so it, it's exciting. I'm really excited about where we're headed. It took some time, uh, but I really feel like we've got an opportunity to really turn the corner in a big way as a program. Still bugged by the way last year ended. I mean, whether it was Nate's injury, Akeem's injury. You know, you never want to talk about injuries uh, because everybody thinks it's an excuse. Uh, but we were kind of um, lucky the whole year. We never had an injury at the one of the two spot. We only had three guys for two positions. And when Akeem went down, I was very concerned. Um, and then I, you know, Nate. People don't realize that you know Nate just got cleared last week to play. Uh, Nate was out over a month with an injury that he sustained in the first half. So when you lose your two top guards, um, it's hard, uh, you know. But it rarely ends well that time of year for everybody, um, you know. So you you you, uh, you just got to take a step back. You got to appreciate the season that you have. Hope everybody continues to be hungry to get back into the big dance and make a run. It's a big summer for all your guys, but whether it's, you know, a Dupree getting stronger or Amir taking that next step as a sophomore, there are a couple guys that you can key in on and say, okay, huge summers for these guys? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously everybody, but, but you know, I think that there are certain guys, like I think Dupree obviously is a great example. I think if he puts on a little bit more weight, I think you really see the way he's trending. He's trending in a terrific direction. Uh, obviously, Amir uh, had a phenomenal first year, and I think when he gets more weight on, um, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, Jordan Murphy, you know, I mean, I think we forget he was only a sophomore last year. I forget it. Uh, so somebody like him make a big jump. Even Reggie, you know, Reggie was old, but he was inexperienced at that level, uh, where now I think he'll learn a little bit more about how to play against other big guys. Uh, Eric Curry, I think the sky's the limit for him potential-wise. Um, you know, and Devontae, when he gets healthy, uh, I think he could really help us a lot, too. So I'm excited to get with everybody, um, you know, and just make sure they take that next step. Excited for the game at your alma mater this upcoming season? I am, yeah. I mean, I, you know, Providence College is a special place uh, for me. I'm, you know, I don't want to play them because they're really good, so I don't know if I'm excited about that. Um, but Providence has been kind of a part of my life. Uh, you know, obviously my dad coached there. I've got a brother who was uh, buried there. And, you know, so it's always been a special uh, college for me, a special place, kind of like home away from home. So to get back there is uh, exciting. Uh, but I know uh, they're a talented team. Coach Cooley does a great job. The Gophers at Providence in the non-conference portion of their schedule. Patino told the crowd in Winona that the non-conference schedule will, quote, probably be the toughest of his five here as Gophers coach. Also, he said, expect at some point, either this week or early next week, the Big Ten ACC matchups to be announced. He certainly expects a marquee opponent to come to Williams Arena. We all have to wonder whether it'll be his dad in Louisville. Hey, maybe it's Syracuse. Doubt it's Duke or North Carolina. But certainly, Patino anticipates a high-profile opponent from the ACC coming to Williams Arena. Also on Gophers basketball, Jarvis Thomas of Orono High School, Supreme Athlete, put on a show over the weekend at Maple Grove Community Center. He will visit and check out the new facilities, or at least the renderings, walk through what is done so far of the new facilities. Sometime in the very near future, no date set as of yet. The Gophers still have not offered Jarvis Thomas. They're continuing to evaluate him. His situation almost ended up at a prep school in Vegas, transferred from Tartan, you know, you have to wonder about some of the circumstances surrounding, you know, his situation. But as a kid, I hear very smart, good kid, well-liked at Orono. So it might be those around him, maybe not necessarily Jarvis, but as a basketball player, has a lot of Rodney Williams in him just in terms of his athleticism. So we'll wait and see if the Gophers make the offer to the Orono 2018 forward. But he is having a very good spring. Also on Gophers recruiting, I hear from somebody close to Trey Jones that his visit recently to the Gophers campus went very well. Now, I still say keep an eye on Duke, UCLA, maybe Oregon and Arizona to a degree. Mentioned a few weeks ago, Baylor has stopped recruiting Trey. They have another guard coming in in that class, actually a transfer has to sit out 2017-2018, then eligible starting in 2018-2019. But the Gophers are trying on Trey Jones, who, much like Jarvis Thomas, a big reason why Jarvis Thomas is doing so well is he has Trey Jones as his point guard. Trey Jones, in a lot of these EYBL events, has been the best point guard on the floor, in the gym, 
bar none. Trey Jones, you can make a case, is the best point guard in the country in the class of 2018. So give the Gophers credit for at least trying. On Gabe Kausher, got that Pittsburgh offer. The Gophers offered a long time ago. Still is not committed. He wants to wait a little bit longer, but you have to wonder if the Gophers will wait a ton longer. Not that they have a lot of 2018 commits right now outside of Daniel Oturu. So if Gabe Kausher wants to commit mid-July, I'm sure the Gophers would take him. But they are wondering, at least internally, why the DeLaSalle shooting guard has not committed yet. On race, Thompson, Indiana continuing to come on strong. Iowa State has been in the mix for a long time. I don't know if the Gophers get race, Thompson. That's why they are coming up with contingency plans. On Oturu, by the way, and race, Thompson, and Matt Hurt of Rochester John Marshall 2019 kid, they all have been invited to the NBA Players Association camp. That is a big deal. Congratulations to Arturu, Thompson, and Hurt. Also on Gophers Basketball, recently caught up with Lawrence McKenzie. Played for Tubby Smith a number of years ago. Started Patrick Henry High School. Originally went to Oklahoma, then transferred to the Gophers. Lawrence McKenzie is now a successful hip-hop musician. He sold out a show in downtown Minneapolis recently. Has followers all across the world. His stage name is Mac Irv. Grew up on Irving Street in Minneapolis, Mac, you know, from McKenzie. So he goes by that as his stage name, Mac Irv. But you may know him as the former Gophers basketball player, Lawrence McKenzie. His dad, the great basketball coach at Minneapolis North High School. His dad has coached in town for a number of years. Anyway, I was recently in studio with Lawrence. Wanted to hear him perform. He's phenomenal. He is really, really good. Love his future. Then sat down with Lawrence for an interview. Here's my conversation with Lawrence McKenzie. I always know you as Lawrence. Yeah. But you're Mac Irv, right? I mean, that's the stage name. Yeah, that's Take it. Through the background there. You know, um, it's so crazy because, like, most even now, like, most people who personally call me, uh, personally know me, just call me Mac. Or, you know, and it got different because everybody had called me Mac before, even when I was playing basketball. But, like, now it got to a point where I was just walking through the street and everybody like, Irv, Irv. You know, and I was like, dang, that's crazy how things could totally change. Like, and just through music, just through something, just through a career. So on um, the backstage for the name is Mac. Everybody call me Mac. My last name is McKenzie. My dad was called Mac. My granddad was called Mac. But I started off as um, Mac Irving because I grew up on 8th and Irving, 801 Irving. And I wanted to do something that would discreetly kind of like represent the city at the same time like and not be too like far out and i just wanted to do something that represent where i was from and that's where mac irvin came from i just and i wanted to cut it short and we just named him mac irvin man and from there he said watch how that name blow and it's been blowing up i mean it has i mean put that into words i mean yeah, did you yeah. ever imagine it would get to this level you know the crazy thing about it is man is i was thought to think like sky's the limit at with every single thing I do. You know, my mom told me, she literally told me like you could do anything you wanna do. I don't care if you skateboard, I don't care if you wanna be a garbage man, I don't care if you wanna be a pre the president. Like if you put your mind to it and you believe that you could do it, you can do it. And I just really had a strong, almost insane belief that that was true. And so when I started doing music, I had so many people like, come on, man, like, you, this person tried to do this, this couldn't happen, another athlete trying to, and, and, there, and the thing is, there were so many other things I could have done. Like, you know, I, I had opportunities to be the coach. I had opportunities to, I have a business and marketing degree. I had opportunities to go into business. I had so many different connections, but it was just something that I was extremely passionate about. And I've been passionate about music, and I was like, I'm going to do it my way. And from there it just you know it's been kind of step by step but i've been enjoying the journey and it's been a lot of good things that came out of it where did the passion come from when did it start i mean are we going back to yeah. elementary school yeah. high school when i was when i was in third grade we kind of had a um i had a, a, a little rap group you know it was called a little max actually man it was two, me and two of my friends and um, I remember we were supposed to do a talent show, and like at the last minute, I was like too nervous to do it. I had the courage back then, like, so I was too nervous to do it. And we backed out, but um, I've always been writing. Um, uh, another thing about my mom that that really helped me. I always had a hard time expressing feelings. Like, you know what I mean? I was one of a kid who, like, I would just kind of hold things in. Why are you mad? I, I wouldn't say it. I would just hold things in. And she got me to start writing things down. And I think that helped, too. And that turned into me kind of, like, writing more poetry, writing things that were on my mind. And I think that's what really helped my music get to the people right away or connect to people right away because I was just being honest. I wasn't trying to be anything that I wasn't. I was being myself. And I think when you're transparent about anything you do, 
that's when you kind of gain fans and gain supporters because they can kind of relate to you. You know what I mean? They feel it feels authentic, and I, that was pretty much how I went about it. I always wanted to do music, and even when I was in college, I had friends that were doing music. Like, I would go to the studio, I would go to practice, go to the studio. And even after, before that, like, me and, like, guys on the team would be like, we'll find a beat off the computer and then, like, rap one. It was never serious, you know, but I just believe that music and, uh, and, and, and sports, especially hip-hop and rapping, you know what I mean, go, go hand-in-hand. You know, when you're getting ready for the game, that's what you're listening to. When you're on the bus headed to the game, that's what you're listening to. You know, um, as you can see, I just made the song for the, for the Gophers, going for the, uh, the um, Minnesota March song. Like, you know, it really does go hand in hand, and I was lucky, lucky enough to be blessed with both of those talents. And I think when you, when you have that ability, it's, it's your job to, 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 to do the best you could possibly you could do with that and reach your full potential, you know, and I think that's what I've been doing. You said when you were on the Gophers, yeah. you know, you guys were just sort of playing around. Yeah. It wasn't serious. Yeah. How did it turn serious? When did it become serious? Um, it became more serious around the time uh, I had surgery. Um, so I was playing in the NBA Development League. And um, I, I, I don't know, I was, I was coming to practice and I was starting, but I just didn't feel right. I was like, man, something's not right. Something, something's going on. Like, I, I'm not the same. Like, and I'm not enjoying myself. I'm not as passionate about the game. I'm losing my love for the game because I can't do it the way I want to. I can't go out there and just not think and give it my all. I'm thinking every second I'm out here. So um, I went in and, and I had an MRI and they told me that I had uh, tore my hip labrums, actually both of them. So what I had was extra bone. I had my, my hip, hip, hip joint supposed to be circular, and I had extra bone on my hip, and it was just tearing it up. So the more work I actually did, the more I put into it, the more I was actually hurting myself without even knowing that. So, you know, I, and, and when I think about that, I was, I was depressed for a while, like for a long time, because I didn't know what to do after basketball. I knew I loved music, but I didn't know what to really do after basketball and for a while I was just I would like I got to a point where I just wanted to write my feelings out and I wanted to write how I felt and I was writing and um I started calling my friends and I started like let, letting them hear like the music over beats and I was like yo check this out like really pe people were really close to me and they checked it out and I was like yo this is dope man like you should keep going keep writing keep writing and I started I kept writing and then eventually um I had a couple friends who were producers and um, I went over to their house and recorded, and I got the guts to put it out on the internet. <laughs> I think on Twitter. It was the first time I put it out on Twitter, and I got like a really dope response. And from there, it was, I, was, I wasn't no looking back. What's the thrill of, of performing in front of people as a musician? How does that compare to the, to the big stage of being on a basketball court? It's, it's extremely similar. Um, and I think that's why I kind of chose this path. I think it, basketball has been about entertainment, too. Um, of course, it's a sport, and of course, you're doing the same thing. You have to have skills, just like in music. But at the end of the day, it's about entertainment. It's about you want to see that passionate person. You want to see that guy beat on his chest after that dunk. And I've I always been like that. I've always been like that even on the basketball court. It's never just been up, down, up, down for me. I always play the game with extreme passion. So when I'm on a stage and I hear them yelling and I get that same type of feedback, just like I made a big three-pointer, like, it feels similar, man, you know? And, and I think that's like a feeling that I, 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 I've been chasing, like, for a while. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm an extremely passionate person myself. So when I can get others to bring that same type of energy, man, and we kind of mesh those up together, man, it's, 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 a un, it's just an un, uh, undeniable type of feeling, you know? Where's this thing going? I mean, it's a cliche-filled question, yeah. but, you know, the next few months, next few years, yeah. where's your career going? Um, you know, we've done a lot so, so far, man, in, in, a, in a quick amount of time. Last show, we had a 7th Street entry. Um, Sold out within uh, uh, sold out uh, with three before uh, three weeks before the show, so um, we've been on MTV Jams, we've been in Source Magazine, we've been in Vibe Magazine. Um, the fan base is growing. I have fans all across the world, from uh, from the UK to Ireland to uh, to to wherever you want to wherever you want to wherever you want to point at. And I think at this point, I'm just. I can't, I can't say where it's going to go. I know where I want to go. I know I want to win a Grammy. I want to take it to the highest level it could possibly go. I sit, in, I sit every single day before I wake up, I mean, right before I go to sleep and right after I wake up, and I kind of just see my Grammy acceptance speech. 
And I say the same thing. I thank the same people. I tell people, I say, you know what? It takes a lot to bounce back. Like, it takes a lot to bounce back. You know, it takes a lot to do something that a lot of people say that you can't do. It takes a lot to get through these obstacles and negativity. But I did it, and you can too. And I walk off the stage, and I hug my friends, and I hug the guys that were there for me. So I continue to put this image in my mind, and I believe in faith. And once you continue to put something in your mind and you do the work by, and you put the work in behind it, you just let God take it from there. So at this point, man, I know what I want to do. I know where I want to be. I'm going to continue to grow, but I let God take the will. Your lyrics, I mean, oftentimes a very personal connection. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's what makes me um, stand out. And, and I think that's what's important about hip-hop music is that for the fact that you can almost feel the lyrics coming from my, from my heart. Like, you know what I mean? You know it's real. You know these stories are, 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 are actually happening, are things that are actually going on. And whether it's about things that's going on in, in, in the news, whether it's about social injustice, whether it's about things that's going on in my personal life, I think that's important to, um, to, to get out there. And I think as an artist, you kind of got to let yourself, let yourself be vulnerable and let people kind of hear your story. And, and, I, and that's what I always say. A lot of people be like, yo, you, you're, too, you're too personal. And, I'm, and I, I don't think I'm personal enough at times because I'm, I'm not afraid for people to either judge me one way or another because either way, if you judge me, I hope you get something out of it. You know what I mean? I think as an artist or anything that you, you just want to bring a feeling, whether that's you don't like it or whether you love it, whether it's sad, happy, my job is to bring a feeling to you. If I brought a feeling to you, then I did my job. Do you enjoy being a role model? I love it. I love being a role model. I think, but the thing about being a role model is I know nobody is perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't want to play the perfect role model role. Like, I want to let you know, like, in reality, things really do happen. Like, you know, like, it's, it, it's, it's not perfect out here. Um, I'm not the perfect, perfect person. People do make mistakes, but I'm not here to, um, to um, exploit that and say, yo, you should do this. No, learn from what I've done. Learn them from the mistakes that I've done. Learn from what you do. Continue to grow as a person because if you don't grow, you know, in this world at the end of the day, like, you're dying. Like, you know what I mean? Even when you're living. But you got to grow and you got to uh, uh, continue to evolve. And I think that's what's important. So being a role model, that's the kind of role model I want to be. I'm not going to tell you everything was perfect. I'm going to tell you the goods and the bads, and I want you to learn from both. Are you a firm believer that, that things happen for a reason, that if you don't suffer the injuries that you did, you know, with the hips, yeah. Then who knows? I mean, maybe you're playing in Europe. I mean, yeah. you still might be playing basketball, nah, I, but there wouldn't be this budding music career, right? Nah, I, I believe everything happened for a reason. And even playing basketball, like, honestly, man, as a basketball player, um, I think you kind of get stuck in this place where it's the focus is on basketball and you're not really kind of focusing on learning who you are as a person. I really believe that music has helped me learn who I am as a person and to help me grow. And that's not nothing against my, I love basketball and I still play every once in a while and I know where I would have been. Like I played against some of the best players ever. I played against the greatest player ever. I played against Le well, one of the greatest players ever, LeBron James. And I was, I, I, it wasn't nothing that was like, oh my goodness, this is too far-fetched. Like, I played there. So, um, but I just know that, like you say, I really do believe that everything does happen for a reason because I just, I just think I have, it's a different way to reach people. It's a different message. It's a different um, outlet. Um, I, could, I, I could be more honest. I could be more real about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. So I just think sometimes when you're, as a basketball player, especially as a college basketball player, it, it kind of had to be cookie cutter with the message. I couldn't really express myself the way I wanted to. And, you know, even when I started making music, people were a little bit of shock, a little shocked about some of the things I would say, but I just wanted to be myself. It's not nothing negative. I'm being myself. So I just think sometimes the crowd that I'm reaching will understand it better in the way that they know, in the way that they, in the way that they usually talk, in the way that they uh, conversate. So it, it really is expanding. Like, it, I know it's expanding because Every single day I'm getting messages about how I inspire people. Like, you know, it could be somebody from, like I said, from the U.K., from Ireland, from France, from uh, South Africa, texting me like, yo, I've been listening to this song nonstop. And they'll not only 
write me, they'll send Snapchats, they'll send videos of them listening to the song and everything that I've done for them. Another kid was telling me he listened to my song, it's called Misfit, and that he dropped out of school and that he decided that he wanted to go back because he felt like they like, man, I, I dropped out of school because I want to do music, but I know that you finished school and you went all the way throughout school and you were able to still do music. So I'm, I, I'm inspired by that. And you know, when people send me things like that, like that inspires me to continue to keep pushing and keep going. Like if I can affect people in that type of way, why wouldn't I be doing this? You know, and I, and I feel like that, like a lot of people wonder like, okay, well, what, like you say, what's next? How, what are we going to do? What's gonna, right now, if I could do this for the rest of my life and be able to get paid off of that and take care of my family, and inspire people and help people, I'll be fine on that deathbed. Like, when I'm laying down there, I'll be fine. Like, you know what, I did my job. I really feel like I follow my passion. Because a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. A lot of people are scared because it's a tough road. It's a tough road to put yourself out there and to be judged and to be ridiculed. And, you know, like, you continue to put your art out there, and this is art that you make. So, you know what I mean? You're really sensitive about it. But I'm, I'm fine with putting it out there, man. I, I, I love it. Um, I'm, I'm learning to get to the point of, to, to, stop, to stop trying to be the audience so much and just enjoy my life and enjoy what I do and it makes it a lot easier when I look at it like that, man. But so many people have, have caught on. Like I said, we sold out a show. I've gone to different states and to different places. Like the last few weeks, I, I've been going, even just going up north, I went to Duluth and I'm having people in the crowd see my word, which is different for me, you know? Like having a fan base outside of Minneapolis and I'm going to Rochester and I'm having people singing the words. And it's, 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 been, a, uh, it's been an amazing feeling. And I think that you just have to really, really focus on the growth in the now and not like you say i know where i want to be but right now i'm focused on where i'm at do you have a new song coming up i mean um, do you have a show coming up I, I is there anything a, you want to promote I a, I, i'm actually working on a, a whole entire project actually an ep i want to drop an ep this summer but right now we got this uh the misfit uh project out misfit 55411 which has been doing extremely well um the numbers on spotify have been amazing um, way better than they ever been, you know what I mean? So I'm proud of that. Um, if you if you have an opportunity, please go grab that. Uh, it's, it's on Apple Music. It's on iTunes. If you want it for free, we want to give it to you for free. If you never heard of Mac Irvin, you just want to kind of just hear it and kind of fill it out and see if you want to rock with it, then it's on uh, SoundCloud, you know? So Misfit 55411, and that's just about being a kid growing up in a, uh, in, 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 a, in a part of town where, you know, a lot of kids were uh, had, had a little bit different upbringing for me, where I had my dad in my life, will be talked about. I had my father in my life. And, and you know, sometimes being, when you have that, it, it's looked at as a negative, you know, or it's looked at as not a negative, as being different, you know what I mean? So it was certain things that I had to kind of go through and had to kind of uh, um, see, had to kind of see and see differently. So, um... I think this project is for anybody who, who, who has a dream, who has a goal, who may have been told that they can't do it, who may have been told that they're not good enough, you know what I mean, and who just believes in themselves. This is, this, is, this is what my music is for, to inspire people to keep going when, when the people may not see their vision, you know what I mean, so they can just keep going and, and keep pushing through. So Former Gophers basketball player Lawrence McKenzie, stage name, Mac Irv. Check out his music videos all over YouTube. If you're a fan of hip-hop music, he is really, really good. Had a blast just watching him in studio perform a couple weeks ago in Brooklyn Park. I'll just get to a bunch of notes here in the final segment of the Scoop Podcast episode number 76. Quinn Carroll, Jay Carroll's son. Jay Carroll used to play for the Vikings and Buccaneers, former gopher. Quinn Carroll is the best offensive lineman in the state of Minnesota, class of 2019. So he's not even a junior yet at Edina High School, yet he's got offers galore, including on Monday afternoon, got a fresh offer from Notre Dame. So the schools in on Monday were Notre Dame, USC, also Penn State, Matt Limegrover, and the Gophers, Matt Simon, who coaches the wide receivers for the Gophers, grew up or at least went to Farmington High School. Matt Simon does a great job with the metropolitan area. Matt Simon among the coaches at Edina to connect with Quinn. Hank Fraley, former Vikings coach, now coaching the offensive line for UCLA. Hank Fraley due in to see Quinn on Wednesday. P.J. Fleck has been with Quinn a number of times. P.J. Fleck would love to get a commitment from Quinn Carroll sometime in the very near future. P.J. Fleck in Winona, much like Richard Pitino on Monday afternoon, had a chance to 
briefly chat with him also because his time was limited and because we got there full disclosure we got there right when the event started so the winona daily news and a cbs station from lacrosse were also in the little group circle of of talking to pj fleck so you'll hear my voice but you'll also hear at least one other reporter's voice but figured i would play it since it's always entertaining to hear from the gophers football coach coach i would think being the people person that you are an event like this is is right up your alley. I, I just love connecting with people. You know, this is what the world's about. This is what our program's about. It's about people, and I think there's a big difference between communicating and connecting. Uh, communicating, you can just talk to people and and say things and talk at them. This isn't what that's about. This is this is connecting. This is connecting with our blood, and this is our bloodlines. This is our these are our fans. And uh, this is one of the reasons why I came here, uh, is because of our fan base. You know, we haven't won a championship in over 50 years, but there are hundreds of people showing up to this event in Winona and uh, all over the state. I mean, this is they're so passionate about their Gophers, and I'm just humbled and very, very blessed to be the head football coach here. Jake was telling me that you're playing door greeter. I'm the rookie coach. I guess I'll be the uh, I'll be the greeter, and it's been wonderful, wonderful being able to greet everybody here. How would you say your first few months have been uh, now that you've taken over? Well, they've gone by fast, which is which is always good. I mean, you you, you kind of. Uh, you know, you kind of put a, about five pounds of dirt into about a half a pound bag, you know, when you're a head football coach in year one. You just keep stuffing it in there, and you keep, and you keep making your schedule, and you want to talk and connect and, uh, to many, as many people as you possibly can. I think that's been the funnest part is being able to connect with everybody. Uh, we're kind of in the honeymoon stage, and I understand that. I've been through – this is my second head coaching job, so I understand year one before you play, before you make a bad call, before you throw an interception, before you fumble, before you score touchdowns, and everybody evaluates you. It's called the honeymoon stage, and I understand that. But – you take advantage of that year one. You know, you really want that because this is your time for people to get to know you as a person, not just as a football coach with calls. And there's so many things down the road we're going to focus on. Right now it's about people, and I love that. And uh, it's really the, the pure sincerity of, of being a college coach. So uh, I've absolutely loved every minute of it. Uh, I love the future of our program. I love what we're doing in our facility. I love what we're doing uh, in recruiting. I love what we're doing in development within our, in our own facility with players. Uh, we got a long way to go, but um, it, it's a lot of fun every day. Is it not as long, though, as maybe you thought when you first took the job? Uh, in terms of the, the, the days? Yeah, I mean, you said there's a long way to go. Oh, Oh, well, yeah. I mean, every day you get better. You want to continue to change your best. But, uh, you know, when you take over a program that hasn't won a championship in over 50-some years, that just doesn't happen just because, okay, I hired this guy. He's got a lot of energy. Uh, his energy must equal promise today, and it happens. There's a long list of things we have to be able to do. Uh, the 2018 class, which we have 13 commitments right now, which is, I think, the third or fourth most in America. Um, <clears throat> Uh, they're the right type of people for us. And then the 19 class is going to be a class that's really important for the future of what we want to happen here at the University of Minnesota. So, uh, again, it's, it, this isn't so, you know, Rome wasn't built in the night, um, and we have to be able to make sure that we do everything possible to change people's perceptions, change people's thoughts, change people's ideas of becoming a champion, not just a winner anymore, a champion now. And that sometimes you have to go backwards to go forward. Sometimes you go forward and just hop that and just make the jump. It just all depends. Every story is different. Um, but we have to be able to get people to think not what could have, would have, and should have happened or what has always happened. We have to sit there and say why we can, why we will, and why we ought to make sure this thing, these things happen. And I think that's what we have to be able to get to is we can and we will. What would you, what would you say to fans who are wondering what your brand of ball is going to be like on the field? <laughs> Uh, they'll find out soon enough. You know, I mean, the, the good thing is they'll find out. Uh, the spring ball kind of gave a small, small dose of it. Um, but, you know, we just want to play as hard as we possibly can. And we want to play better and harder than we did the play before. Uh, and I think if we can play harder than everybody else, eventually that type of person that, that we recruit and that, w that are doing that, uh, they'll become better football players. They'll become better students. Uh, they'll become uh, better citizens. Why? Because the drive is already there. Now that how, that unconquerable will, that heart, that spirit, that soul, that's already there. Uh, obviously, we're bringing these players here because they can, they can play football, and then we're developing players on the team because they can play football. But we've got to up the talent level every single day uh, of not just in recruiting, but inside our own program in the development. That's where we've got to take major strides. But it's going to be exciting. I know that. And uh, it's going to be a process, but we look forward to the challenge. One of the storied robberies is with Wisconsin. So what would you, uh, you know, what is it going to take to maybe bring the Paul Bunyan Axe back to, back to Minnesota? 
Well, we, we, again, we, we, we are right now we're worried about just getting our kids back on campus and worried about the summer. Um, but I will say this. It's one of the biggest rivalries in sports and one of the greatest rivalries in college football. Uh, I know we haven't won for 13, 14 years. Uh, I understand that. Um, uh, but, again, it's not going to be just the focus. The focus is getting better every single day and taking the next right step of the program, knowing that we're at a very, very special place that has rivalries like that. A lot of people don't even have that. We have multiple, right? But that one's really, really special, and I respect it and understand it. Um, and uh, I understood that at a very special rivalry at Western Michigan and Central Michigan. we got to take the right necessary steps now for that to happen later on because um, they've had the same culture at the end of the day with Barry Alvarez there for 30-some years, basically, right? Uh, Iowa's had two head coaches in 40-some years. I can go on and on about what we have to catch up to, um, but we, we can't look to tomorrow unless we solve today's issues. But we're very excited about the rivalry. I know that. Last one, guys. Because of that catch-up, you almost have to temper expectations. I mean, people look at you and say, what he did last year, Western Michigan. <laughs> well, I think, I, I think everybody here, – here's what I'll say is everybody has to look at a few things. That Western Michigan hadn't won an outright championship. They run one outright championship in 108 years, okay? And uh, same, very, very similar situations. Now, what we have is seven national championships, 18 Big Ten championships. Uh, we just haven't done them since the 60s, 50s, 40s, right? Uh, so I want to be that bridge. But people take my energy equals promise now. That's not necessarily true. Western Michigan felt the same way. We went 1-11. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but we're going to do the necessary steps to build a championship culture that's sustainable for a long period of time. This is our third head football coach in three years. Right? One of our rivals in the West have had two head coaches in 42 years, something like that, right? That, that, that is, that, that's a difference of culture. That's not a difference of team. That's just a difference of culture, right? We have to be able to get to the sustainability part and really say we're going, we're going to do it this way. This is the direction we want to go, and we're going to see the end result before it even happens. We just know it could happen in three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, whatever it is, but everybody's got to see that growth. That's what I want people to continue to see is growth from within, Love recruiting, celebrate recruiting, celebrate facility enhancements, celebrate being a fan. Let's celebrate the process of becoming a champion, not just the season. There's a lot of other things we haven't celebrated here at the University of Minnesota in the past that I want to celebrate. I mean, we're, we, are, we are in the top 12 in recruiting at the University of Minnesota. That's tremendous. Let's celebrate that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how that can influence the future. And that's what we want to be able to do as we continue to move forward. So, again, very exciting. I love that everybody loves the energy. Uh, but, again, energy doesn't equal promise right away. But eventually it will. Good. Thank you, sir. You got it. Roll the vote. Fleck to the crowd in Winona brought up the 12th-ranked recruiting class right now, at least according to one of the recruiting sites. With the 13 verbal commitments for the class of 2018, they did lose a verbal commitment within the last week or two. An offensive lineman, Uzibu, from the state of Georgia, I am told he still wants to be a gopher, still may ultimately be a gopher. The gophers still want him. So it's more family-related. So just some things to figure out there, but don't discount the idea of Uzibu, even though he decommitted, of him eventually recommitting to the Gophers. By the way, Fleck reiterating that he'll go with morning practices come the regular season. Also on the Gophers, talk to Don Lucia briefly. He's talked to three or four very worthy candidates for the Grant Petoni assistant job. We should have some news on that front in the next Uh, 7 to 14 days or so. Spent a bunch of time late last week with Brock Besser. Scored his first NHL goal in March against the Wild. Remember, season ends for North Dakota. Signs immediately with the Vancouver Canucks. Is playing the next afternoon at the X. Had a great time going down memory lane with Brock Besser. We will play that conversation, whether it's episode 77 or 78 or somewhere down the road. I do have a David Kahn note. But first, more love to Gabe's by the Park, the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. Daily happy hours, 2 to 6, Energy Park Drive and Lexington Parkway, St. Paul, right by Como Park. They keep the Scoop Podcast going. If you're a fish fan, they have all sorts of fish options. They have 1095 great steaks on Wednesday nights. They have $5 burgers on Mondays. It's an extensive food and drink menu. Be sure to check out Gabe's by the Park. I'm telling you, great food. Great atmosphere. It is worth your time. Go check out one of the NHL games, one of the playoff games, one of the NBA Finals games, you know, or a Twins game. They have TVs galore. It is a great spot to watch sports and have a really good, inexpensive dinner. Gabe's by the Park, Energy Park Drive, and Lexington Parkway in St. Paul. On David Kahn, one of his friends texted me during the taping of this podcast and said, Hey, 
you should look into David doing some stuff with a basketball team in Paris. So I went to the Twitter search, typed in David Kahn Paris. Sure enough, there's a basketball team in Paris that is now using David Kahn. I need to dig further on it, but the former Wolves executive somehow has tied himself to another basketball team. No chance he ever gets to do anything when it comes to decision-making personnel moves for an NBA team, but he somehow has finagled his way into a team in France. David Kahn, he is everywhere, right? Teaching at New York University for a stretch, helping out the Sacramento Kings with their development with the new stadium. Now he's over in Paris helping out a basketball team over there. He will never go away. Speaking of going away, we are going away. That is it for Scoop Podcast Episode 76. We appreciate you listening. We will be back next week. Last night I was up late. I got the chills. I had goosebumps. I was sweating. I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. And that's all before the headliner took the stage. Best show ever. Nothing beats seeing your favorite band live. And there's no better place to get tickets for concerts, sports, theater, and more than at VividSeats.com and the Vivid Seats app. A deadly police shooting in Oklahoma. I'm Jackie Quinn with an AP News Minute. Police are out in riot gear in Tulsa, Oklahoma, after a protest over the fatal shooting of a black man reported to have mental issues. Police say that he was heading into a store armed with two knives. Officers used lethal force to protect the people inside the business. Two congressional committees want to see evidence like James Comey's leaked memo and any White House tapes, if they exist, of the conversations between President Trump and fired FBI Director James Comey since the president is refuting some of yesterday's testimony. James Comey confirmed a lot of what I said. And some of the things that he said just weren't true. Roman Polanski, sexual assault victim, 13 at the time, has asked a judge to end the 40-year-old case against the fugitive director. It's very interesting to uh, make it worse than it was and call it horrific and assign all these words to it. But that's not what happened. Prosecutors insist he must return to the U.S.